Chapter Twenty of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Twenty. Stephen's testimony. Mr. Wyley would not stir from the place where he could gaze upon his old home burning to the ground. He stood rooted to the spot, like one fascinated and enchained by a power he could not resist. Grasping his precious bundle to his breast, and clinging firmly to the arm of the Longville doctor, who had been one of those who hastened to his rescue. Now and then he broke out into a deep cry, which he did not seem to hear himself. But even the grey dawn of the morning, brightening over the rounded outlines of the mountains, did not awaken him from his trance of terror and bewilderment. Miss Anne kept near to him all night, and Stephen lingered about her, making a seat for her upon the grass, and taking care that Martha also should be at hand to wait upon her. There was a great buzzing of people about them, hurrying to and fro, and every now and then they heard different conjectures as to how the fire began. But it was not generally known that the constables from Longville and Botfield had contrived to arrest Black Thompson and Davies in the midst of the confusion, and had quietly taken them off to the jail at Longville. When the daylight grew strong, it shone upon a smouldering mass of ruins and heaps of broken furniture piled upon the downtrodden grass. The master had grown aged in that one night, and he gazed helplessly about him, as if for someone to direct and guide him. He no longer refused to quit the place, only he would not trust himself anywhere near Botfield, and as soon as a carriage could be procured, he and Miss Anne were driven off to Longville. There was nothing more to wait for now and Stephen went quietly home to breakfast in the Centre Hill cabin. It was a good deal later than usual that morning, when the engineman at the works sent down the first skip-load of colliers into the pit. Four of their number were absent, but that excited no surprise after the events of the night, and even Bess Thompson supposed her father had gone off to the public-house with the others. But what was the amazement of the colliers when they found Tim at the bottom of the shaft, fiercely hungry after his night's fasting, and as fiercely anxious to hear what had been taking place overhead? He had the prudence, however, to listen to their revelations without making any of his own, and would not even explain how he came to be left behind in the pit. He went up in the ascending skip and escaping from the curiosity of the people on the bank he darted as straight as an arrow to stephen's cabin i'm nigh clemmed were his first words as he seized the brown loaf and cut off a slice which he devoured ravenously it seems like a year he continued thee'll never catch me being left behind anywhere again eh stephen lad many a time i shouted for fear i'd never see daylight again it's awful down there in the night Thee hears them as thee can't see, punning again the coal, and then there comes a downfall like a clap of thunder. I wasn't so much afeard of little Nan. She never did any harm when she was alive, and I thought God was too good to send her out of heaven just to terrify a poor lad like me. But how did thee get left behind? 
asked martha then tim told them how the horse doctor had gone down to secure one of the ponies in a large strong net in order to bring it to the surface of the earth for a time and that he had gone down with him more for his own amusement than to help him he had wandered a little way into the winding galleries of the pit and came back just as the skip was going up for the last time but one thompson and davies were deep in conversation with the men who remained and stealing behind them he overheard their plot and their intention of persuading stephen to join them after that he dare not for his very life come forward when the skip descended and he watched them go up leaving him alone for the night in that dismal place he had his father's lamp with him and so made his way to the bottom of the old shaft and waited with what impatience and anxiety we may imagine to hear stephen return from his work it was awfully lonesome he said and i thought stephen would never come or i'd never make him hear it wasn't much better after he had come only for thinking miss anne would be safe my lamp went out and i reckon i said our father over a hundred times besides i was wondering what was being done overhead i'll never be left behind anywhere again i can tell ye well said stephen my sheep and lambs don't know about the fire and i must be off they'll want me just as bad as if i'd been in bed all night still he could not help turning aside with tim just for another glimpse of the smouldering ruins looking so black and desolate in the daylight but after that he did not loiter a minute and spent the rest of the morning in diligent attention to his duties until a little before midday he saw the farmer who employed him riding across the sheep-walk and when he ran forward to receive his orders he bade him make haste and go home to prepare himself for appearing before the magistrate to give his evidence against black thompson and his comrades when stephen reached the cinder hill cabin he found tim there again and bess thompson waiting to see him poor bess had been crying bitterly for by this time it was known that her father and davies were in jail though the others being young and single men had fled at once from the place and escaped for the present as soon as stephen entered bess threw herself on her knees at his feet and looked up imploringly into his face oh dear good stephen she cried thee canst save father i'll kneel here till thee has promised to save him oh don't bear any spite agin him but forgive him and save him get up bess said stephen kindly don't thee kneel down to a fellow like me i'll do anything for thy father i've no spite agin him oh i knew thee would she said thee'll tell the justice thee never saw him till the other folks came up from botfield tim says he didn't see anybody down in the pit and he's promised not to swear to their names don't thee swear to seeing anybody but i did see every one of them stephen answered and tim knew all their voices and there'll be lots to tell who came up in the last skip there's nobody in botfield will swear agin them pleaded bess whose place is it to know who came up in the last skip or who was at the fire last night oh stephen the bible says where to do good to them that hate us and if fathers hated thee thee canst save him now ay said tim 
bess is right there's not a mother's son in botfield to swear again them for the master's sake if he didn't see them nor miss anne why need we know i'll soon baffle the justice i promise ye it's a rare chance to forgive black thompson anyhow bess and tim answered stephen in great distress i can't do it it isn't that i bear a grudge against thy father i've almost forgotten that he ever did anything to me but it's not true it's sure to come out somehow why i don't even know what i said to miss anne last night but if i hadn't told a word to anybody i'd be bound to tell the truth now only say thee aren't certain urged bess nay lass said stephen i am certain i'd do anything that was right for thy sake and to save thy father but i can't do this and it would be no use if i could god seeth in secret and he will reward men openly he's begun to reward the master already we can do nothing for thy father but every one of us to tell the truth and pray to god for him father was good to thee when thou wert ill said bess ay i know it he replied but if he was my own father i could not tell a lie to get him off i'd do anything i could oh bess and tim don't ask me to go again the right it'll break mother's heart said bess bursting out into a loud crying we made sure of thee because thee says so much about having thy enemies and we were only afeard of tim thee says we are to do to another as we'd have them do to us if thee was in father's place thee'd want him to do as i ask thee thee doesn't think father wants thee to swear again him nay answered stephen the justice and miss anne would have me tell the truth it seems as if i can't do to everybody as they'd like me so i'll abide by telling the truth there was no time for further discussion for the constable from longville came in to conduct them before the magistrate to give their separate evidence concerning the events of the past night bess went with them weeping all the way beside them and grieving stephen's heart by her tears though she dared not speak a word in the constable's presence but he gave his testimony gravely and truthfully and tim and martha followed his example and in consequence of their joint evidence black thompson and davies were fully committed to take their trial at the next assizes and were removed that afternoon to the county jail End of chapter 20